How many of you are glad to be in the house of God? Hey, how many of you are glad to be connected to the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Online, say, I'm connected. Count me in. I'm connected. Every campus, every location, our EFAM all over the world, and those of you on the West Coast, get your, uh, get your really comfortable shoes. Lace them up. Because Elevation Nights West Coast Fall 2022 is only a few days away. Get your tickets, please, at elevationnights.com. If you want to come to Glensdale, Glendale, not Glensdale, Walmarts, the book of Revelations, and Glensdale, Arizona. Y'all know I'm from Monk's Corner when I start saying we're coming to Glensdale, Arizona. Out there on the West Coast with them liberals out there eating tofu and gluten-free. Here's the cities. Glendale, Arizona, Las Vegas, Sacramento, Eugene, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Oakland, California. Oakland, y'all got to show some love. Y'all's ticket sales are way below all these other places, so I want to see you in Oakland. San Diego, California, and Los Angeles. Let's give God a praise. ElevationNights.com starts October 25th, right? But touch somebody and say, right now, it starts in here. How many came asking God to speak to you today? Well, we've worshiped Him, we've opened our hearts, we've sang about His goodness, and now it is time for us to receive from Him what he has prepared for us, and I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, I love this scripture, Romans chapter 4. Just stand up wherever you are for the Word of God. Jump up on your feet. Put the devil right under your left heel, then your right heel, and stand up for the Word of God, and be ready to receive this blessing. Thank you for your kindness and your expression of love shown for Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm going to have a Congregation Appreciation Month in return. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I got, I, got a, I got a heart to do it. It's going to be Congregation Appreciation Month. I got to meet with the committee on committees and figure out when, but make sure you come back. Because I think of our relationship as a partnership in the gospel. I think of it for all of you who give serve and pray for us, you will never know what that means. And even just you coming after I had to preach with nobody in the room for a couple months, even those of you who I used to fuss at because all you did is come and you don't serve and you don't give, now I'm like, well, that's something. Thanks for coming. You know, my, my whole frame of reference got reset during the pandemic. But thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing me and Holly to be your imperfect pastors. We appreciate the privilege to do ministry with you. You hear me? And to all of our campus pastors at every location, I appreciate you standing in the gap, praying for people, visiting people, enlisting people, enrolling people. Let's thank God for all the leaders at all of our locations, linking arms together for the cause of Christ. Oh, yeah. You can't do it alone, and you don't have to. And uh, everything God gives me that I filter and find helpful, I will share it with you as long as he gives me strength. Do we have a deal? Shake on it.
And then what you got to do, you got to take it, multiply it, teach it to others, put it into practice, share it, evangelize it, come, get strong in the Lord, do what he's called you to do. Go out and be a witness for him. Go out and do your ministry because that's my ministry to get you ready for your ministry. I'm not in the ministry. Oh, yeah, you are. You remember this. God uses people. Remember the little boy at the feeding of the 5,000? He wasn't in the ministry. Peter was. And Peter wanted to send the crowds away because he didn't have anything to give. It was somebody who wasn't in the ministry who created the ministry and the miracle. So don't ever, ever underestimate how God can use you. Okay, Romans chapter 4. You ready? Hmm. Verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that, would, that he would be heir of the world. That's a big promise. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Ooh, we feel a little vibration, just a little shiver just went through you, and we start talking about what God can do. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without wavering in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being, last verse, fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I'm going to read that again before I preach this thing like I feel it. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Now shift up back to verse 16, key verse. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. I always have two titles for a message, the one that I start with to study by and the one that I give you when I figure out what it's about after I studied everything I thought it was about and found out it was about something different because God had to show me. I usually only give you the second one. I'm going to give you both today. Title number one, The Faith of Abraham. The Faith of Abraham. Wow, that sounds like a whole book, Sunday school lesson at least. The faith of Abraham. 
But then I want to give it a second title in case that's a little too academic. And I want to call this message, Keep It A Hundred. Keep It A Hundred. And just pick the title you like, but at least look at your neighbor for a moment on your way to your seat and say, Please keep it a hundred. You may be seated. Need you to keep it a hundred. Y'all, when I'm getting ready to preach and my mind starts getting all conceptual, I remind myself why I preach and who I'm preaching to. Every once in a while, I remember one specific conversation that I had with a lady in our church who was a part of our Toronto campus. This was about five years ago. Her husband had died suddenly. I didn't know her, but I called her just to say, I'm sorry that you lost your husband, and I'm praying for you, and I'd like to pray for you right now. And I did, and she was emotional. So the conversation was appropriately awkward, but I said, you don't need to say anything. I just want to pray for you. And right when I finished the prayer, before we hung up, she said, I need to tell you one thing. Now, English wasn't her first language. I'm not saying she spoke Canadian. She was, but she goes, I need to tell you one thing while I got you. My husband didn't consider himself a good person. He was abused as a boy, and he struggled a lot as an adult. It took me two years to get him to come hear you preach. But when I finally brought him, you told a story that Sunday, a story about, and then she reminded me of the story. I remembered telling it. It was embarrassing. It was a story about me losing my temper. She said, when you told that story, he began to cry because he saw somebody who loved God but still had struggles. I want to thank you, she said, for keeping it real. I'm like, Oh, I thought you were saying thank you for being deep. Thought you recognized my preaching for its intelligence. You know, when you did that thing with Romans chapter 4, and then you went over to the book of Revelations after you went to Walmart's. Call back. But she said, she didn't say thank you for being funny. So you could tell just right then, my humor is not that good. That was polite laughter. That was church laughter. That was an offering of love. You've heard of a sacrifice of praise? That was a sacrifice of laugh that you gave me because it wasn't funny. And I appreciate it. But I think about it often because when I hung up the phone, I was glad that God could use a broken vessel. But you know what else? Deep down, I hated it that that was the thing that she thanked me for. Because that is the most costly thing to be, is real. If she had said, thank you so much for your alliterated outlines, thank you so much for all your tweetable moments, thank you so much for the way that you dissect and parse Greek and Hebrew, I could go back to school, and for the price of a few thousand dollars, I could brush up on the original languages of the Bible. The books don't cost that much. But when she said, thank you for sharing the stuff that makes you embarrassed, I felt like she was saying, we need to see you struggle. And I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> you know, it was 
a very tender moment for her and a very revelatory moment for me. That we all need those moments if we, if we really will admit it. Where someone that we respect, someone that we think, hey, they're really trying to. Someone that we may even feel like, man, they're a little further along in this than me, but they still struggle. It was powerful for me to realize, and at the same time, terrifying for me to realize that the thing that connected with her husband, who was taken from this life without a warning, the thing that connected with him and brought him to a place where he eventually put his faith in Jesus was not my impressive side. But my imperfect side, which to be honest with you, is the part that I want to hide from you the most, but it is the part that God uses in the greatest way. I think about that conversation a lot. You know, I get in there and think, oh, what could I say this week that would be really, really, you know, profound? And what could I say this week that would be really memorable and sticky? And all oh, that's great. You know, you got to bring everything you got to it. And if people are going to come out there, you preach, they deserve that you study. But it was that moment I told that story about the packing peanuts when they blew all over the yard and I was out there cussing and Graham was listening and I didn't know it and he was little and I'm cussing at styrofoam packing peanuts after preaching for 13 Christmas services telling people about the incarnate babe in the manger who came down from heaven to show us a gentler kinder way kinder way right that dumb story yeah that dumb story i bring it up because as much as I hate the feeling of being exposed, I'm recently learning some terms for this. Um, one thing it can be called is recoil. When I share a lot with you, and see, you don't have to tell me anything about you. You don't have to tell me anything about you. I meet, I meet, I meet your church version every week. And <laughs> that's the only version of you that I really get close enough to. And uh, maybe it's better we keep it that way. Okay? But at the same time, that I hate the expense of exposure because after I share something with you, I go back home and I'm like, did I say that out loud? That's typically what I do for 12 hours after I preach. Did I say that and that and that? Holly, I only thought that, right? I didn't say it. No, you said it. I said that? Yeah, you said that. Can we still edit it out of the video? No, it's already online. Oh. As much as I hate the expense of exposure, there's something I hate much more. And I'm gonna tell you this: I hate fake. Hate it. Hate it. Maybe it's because a guy made me a custom suit one time, and I found out it was fake. A custom suit off the rack. The way I found out was I looked at the belt and it said Kenneth Coke with a K. So if the belt is fake, I looked into the suit. What were you doing all that measuring for? It was off the rack. I hate fake that that watch I bought in New York City. That thing broke in two weeks. I bought ten of them. I was gonna give them out as Christmas gifts. Mine broke, I threw them all away. I hate fake. 
I hate fake. You hate fake? I don't even really like small talk. Holly said to me the other day, you are so bad at small talk. You have got to get better at small talk. I'm like, teach me. I want to know how to do it. I want to, I just, something about me. I just want to connect with the deepest part of you. I want to know what you struggle with. I want to know what you dream about. I want to know what you're tempted by. I want to know what you think about when there's nobody but you and God in a pantry full of food. Let me in. I hate fake. I hate fake friends. Just tell me you're my enemy because the Bible says love your enemies. At least I know what to do with you. If we could get the relationship established, I hate fake. Don't smile at me. Just flip me off. I'll turn the other cheek. Just slap me. Hate fake. In fact, my life can be divided. I'm getting to Romans 4, I promise. My life can be divided into the years before and after I found this out. I remember the day one of my family members told me, you know professional wrestling is fake, right? That ruined my childhood. That took my innocence. They ought to put people in jail who tell you stuff like that too young. You mean Hulk Hogan is fake? The Ultimate Warrior is fake? The Big Boss Man is fake? Dusty Rhodes? That's the American dream! How can the Americans polka dots fake too? She said, You know, it's fake. And Gene Haynes took us to a wrestling match and he walked us up. I said, Man, I don't even really want to go anymore. I found out it's fake. And he walked me up to the mat and he goes, stomp your foot on that. And it was hard. And then he said, when you see them slamming each other on that hard floor, does that feel fake? Now, I don't know how I remember this, but he said something like this, and I probably changed it a little bit. I'm going to keep it 100. I don't know if he said exactly like this or if I'm just morphing it to be the perfect sermon quote. Got that? Keep it real. He said something like, just because the ending is scripted doesn't mean the impact isn't real. So I took this from it. It's fixed, but it's not fake. You still got to pick up 280 pounds over your shoulder. You still got to do the Boston Crab. You remember the Boston Crab buck? You st that Boston Crab still feels funny. Just because the ending is predetermined. I remember the day I found out it was fake. Do you remember the day that you found out that a lot of what happens in churches and faith circles is as fake as big men on steroids covered in oil wearing spandex underwear? And I'm just trying to make sure you're not hungry so you can listen to me. That's why I went into so much detail. I saw you get a little disgusted when I said that. Because it is, it's, it's something about finding out that a lot of the people who were telling you, oh, we've been happily married 35 years. You don't know. They've been married 45 years. Happily married for 30. Do the math. I don't tell you about those 10. 
those hidden ten. Oh, we just trust God. And I never set out to be this real preacher telling embarrassing stories on myself, but I couldn't stand the fakeness that I sometimes experienced. I mean, come on, we all we all have moments where we aspire to one thing, we live another. That's not called hypocrisy, by the way. That's called humanity. Oh, I thought that preacher was a man of God. Then I found out they were a fake. Not necessarily. They might have been really sincere in their faith, just weak in their humanity and flesh, just like you are. Let's keep it a hundred. We all need the grace of God. None of us want all of our business on the front page of anything ever. So, part of me in reading Romans 4 was realizing that we are hearing about a hero of the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. He's an interesting guy, and his name is Abraham. You've heard of him. You've heard of him. He is nicknamed, if he had a WWF, the Worldwide Worship Federation. This stuff just comes to me. The Holy Spirit gives it to me on the spot. I just say it. <laughs> I put that on the list for. Did I say that out loud? That was so corny. It said in the thing, it said that Abraham is the father of many nations. Some call him the father of faith. Not just for Jews, speaking from a diasporic or a genetic or even a religious position, but everyone who believes in this God. Yahweh, revealed in the person of Yeshua, Jesus, can trace it back to Abraham's faith. That's what the passage is about. And One thing I want to show you in verse 16, please write some of this down so you can revisit it later. He says that the promise, speaking of the promise that God gave to Abraham, what was the promise? The promise was, I'm going to bless the whole earth through you. I'm going to give you a boy. Your boy is going to have boys. Those boys are going to have boys. There's going to be women that give birth to the boys, and it's all going to result in a nation called Israel that will bless the earth, right? Now we find ourselves in Romans chapter 4, where the apostle Paul is basically having to challenge these believers who want to be circumcised. You know what that is? I'm not going to keep it that real to break that down all the way. You can Google stuff, okay? And saying, all right, since God told Abraham when he was 100 that he had to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant, if you put your faith in Christ, you got to go back and be circumcised, right? Now, keep it 100. If that was the membership protocol for this church and you weren't yet circumcised, all the men who would join the church at this stage in your life stand up. No anesthetics. Right, 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 right. But that's what was happening to the Gentile believers. They're being told, you have to do this to belong. You have to look like this. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a contrast you'll see over and over again in the scriptures. Maybe the main contrast in the New Testament of the external signs of salvation and the internal reality of the kingdom of God. One comes from the works of the law or the works of the flesh. They're used interchangeably. One comes from the grace of God. And I love that it says it so clearly. Follow me in verse 16. It's so good. It's so good. Therefore, the promise comes by 
faith. Repeat that. The promise comes. Y'all might have to show y'all how to do call and response. When so many dang white people in this church, I wouldn't have to teach this part. Repeat after me. The promise comes by faith. Woo. Did I really say that out loud? The promise comes by faith. Shout it. The promise comes by faith. Oh, thank God. Because if it came by works, if it came by effort, if it came by gold star behavior, I don't think I'd get it. But the promise comes by faith. Settle down. That's not the good part. The promise comes by faith. Why? So that, you got it? Verse 16. So that it may be by grace. Ah, gets better. It comes by faith. That's the vehicle. So that it may be by grace. That's the basis. Faith is the box that it comes in. Grace is the basis that it is built on. In order... This is the part that got me. That it may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, the religious system for being right with God, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. So it comes through faith. What does? The promise. I should clarify here. God keeps 100% of his promises. Let me stand right here and say it. Even though people die too early, even though people get sick in their bodies, even though abuse that should never happen happens, I'm saying it like the Bible said it, God keeps a hundred percent of his promises. But God does not keep a hundred percent of our preferences, our plans, or our desired positive outcomes. I got to keep it real. I got to keep it real because I could make you shout over that first part. God keeps 100% of his promises, and all you got to do to get the whole room to shout is substitute positive outcomes for promises. And people will shout because they'll be shouting over stuff that they think God is going to magically do because I said a word that hit a button called promise, and we don't know any better than to think that God promised us that everything in our life would be positive as it happens. So we start shouting about stuff that we want to happen without ever consulting whether God ever said it would happen, and then we blame God and walk out of his house and walk away from our faith and walk away from the family of believers and stop praying and stop praising when we're asking God to keep a promise he never made. Y'all told me to keep it real. I'm keeping it real. God did not promise you no bumps and bruises. God did not promise you no bee stings 
or breakups or broken hearts. And I don't want to spend too long here because I don't want to bring it down too negative. I'm keep it positive. This is a faith message after all. But I want to point it out that the basis of Abraham's faith should be the basis of our faith because he is the father of faith. And this is so profound that the basis of true faith is grace. And in order that it may be guaranteed. I love that. It takes the same grace to save everybody in this room. You think grace is like a custom suit. No, no, no. Grace is one size fits all. You need God to cover all of you. Let me tell you how I know that. The Bible says that even our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The faith of Abraham is enough to know that this has to be by grace, by faith, by grace, in order that it may be guaranteed. Because if the promise depends on me, now this is, this is what I believe. You have to come to your own conclusion. If the promise of what God wants to do through my life depends on me, we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Monday, maybe not Wednesday, if it depends on me. But if it's by grace, if it's by grace, if this whole thing called Stephen Furtick started in the mind of God, if this whole thing called your life started in the heart of a father, if this whole thing was part of the blueprint that God created before the foundations of the earth to be a blessing to the world, not just to be blessed yourself, but to be a blessing, if it starts with grace, it's guaranteed. And that's why I praise God for the guarantee that wherever I go, grace will beat me back home. Wherever I go, grace will beat me to the boardroom. Wherever I go, grace will beat me. Grace will meet me in the mistake, pull me out of the mistake, turn it around and make it a miracle. I got a guarantee. If it's up to me, there's no guarantee. I want to caution you about this. A lot of people are out there trying to get you to put faith in faith. And a lot of people go broke and starving in LA and Nashville because they were told you could be anything you want to be. Help me, God, because nobody's going to like this part of the sermon. You can be what he calls you to be. Well, I'm confused now, preacher. Hold on now. It said that he is our father, Abraham. In the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being, verse 17, things that were not. Sound like on the surface of that, if we don't take this and keep it a hundred, like really read it, it sounds like that God's job is to be your genie. 
it, it sounds like, you know, it, it sounds like in this verse that we could just get anything in our mind that we want to, that we want God to do. And God's like, oh, dang it, I'm going to be up all night working on this because I wasn't planning to do that, but they asked for it and I'm going to do it. Now, this is where I got to keep it real with you. A lot of times in my life, I was trying to get God's blessing on my blueprint. Spoiler alert, he doesn't fill what he didn't build. I love this stuff because right now we get to enter into the tension of the faith of Abraham. It's not as simple as it sounds. It never is. You read this, and Paul's like, and Abraham believed God, and Abraham had faith, and he didn't waver, and he stayed strong, and he was persuaded, and he didn't doubt. And a part of me, y'all respectfully, I'm just saying this respectfully, part of me wants to be like, Come on, Paul. Keep it a hundred. Because <laughs> Abraham didn't always follow God in a straight line. That was confusing to me as I studied. Only reason it was confusing to me is because after Abraham was called by God to be the father of many nations, and God took him outside and showed him the stars of the sky and sands of the seashore and said, As many as you can count those, count those. That's how many your descendants are going to be. You're going to be the father of many nations because he's calling things that be not. As though they are according to his purpose. It dawns on Abraham, I'm 75 years old and I don't have a son. So God comes back to Abraham, not on his 76th birthday. Y'all ready? Not on 77, not on 78, not on 79, not on 80. Let's count by tens for the sake of time, not by 90. When Abraham is 99 years old, I'm getting ready to preach. The Lord visits Abraham and he tells him, I am God Almighty. I have given you this covenant, and this shall be the sign of the covenant, which is circumcision, which we mentioned. But now look at this. With Genesis chapter 17, because in all of Paul's eloquence and all of his brilliance, the book of Romans is the most logically organized, I believe, document that has been written by human hands under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's my opinion. Maybe you could argue for something else, but Romans is a masterpiece. When he brings forward the example, the exhibit of Abraham, exhibit A, exhibit Abraham for faith, he says he didn't waver in his faith. But watch this. When he was a hundred, still waiting for a son. Now, listen, he didn't just wait patiently, he waited impatiently. He got so impatient, his wife was like, Sleep with my maid and she'll give us a son, and maybe that'll be close enough. Have you ever tried to follow God close enough? Like, all right, God, I'm, I'm not going to tithe exactly, but here's a 20. Just this close enough, right? You know, God, I'm not going to give it all to you. I'm not going to give everything to you, but I'm going to just come over here and like, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I'm not going to make it a priority or anything. Abraham did all of that too, trying to produce in human power what had been promised by God's purpose. I do it too. I try to write sermons. With human ingenuity. I try to solve problems with human logic. 
I try to figure out situations by manipulating them. That's the faith of Abraham. Abraham slept with Hagar, had a baby called Ishmael. God said, uh-uh. That's not what I want to give you. It's going to be your son. Now watch the conversation. This is so enlightening. Genesis chapter 17. We're going to cross-reference the apostle Paul and what he said. The Lord said, go, go to verse 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her, not Hagar. By her, not Hagar. By her, not Hagar. God said, I'm going to bless you the way that I'm supposed to bless you, at the time I'm going to supposed to bless you. Stop trying to help God do what he's already doing in his perfect time and leave it to him. I didn't even plan to preach that part, but that just stood out to me. By her, not Hagar. I'm going to bless her, and we'll give you some by her. I'll bless her so that she'll be the mother of nations and kings of people will come from her. Now get ready for Father Abraham. He had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just vacation Bible school, make some noise. Get ready for Father Abraham. Right foot, Father. Get ready for right foot, Father Abraham. You ready for Father Abraham? Watch his faith. Watch his faith. The faith of Abraham. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? And even if I can, will Sarah at age 90? Huh. He didn't waver in his faith. He just laughed in God's face. Can I keep it a hundred? Can I keep it a hundred? When Paul gets ready to share, he doesn't put this part in. Why? I already told you like 15 minutes ago. It's not based on Abraham's works. It's based on God's grace. You keep trying to build on the wrong foundation. Oh God, I'm fearful. Oh God, I'm anxious. Oh God, I'm depressed. Oh God, I messed up. Oh God, I'm not that smart. Oh God, I'm not prepared. Oh God, I'm not experienced. Oh God, I'm crazy. Oh God, I'm addicted. That is not the basis of the faith of Abraham. God said, it's all by grace. I brought you in this world by grace. I spoke you into existence by grace. I made you born in the time you were born so that the promise would be by grace. Let's take 20 seconds and praise him for amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Grace, grace. God's grace. God's grace. And listen to me. If it started with God, 
it's guaranteed. So now touch three people. Say, I got a guarantee. I got a guarantee. I got a guarantee from the manufacturer that everything he intends to bring forth from my life shall come to pass. And no mistake, no Hagar, no doubt, no laugh can stop. This is only good news if you need some grace. If you got it all right, see ya. Go on home. Keep getting it right. But for everybody who is here by faith, by grace. If you gave me enough time, I could hit everybody in this room and show you why you need grace. Oh, no, I don't drink. I don't do, do drugs. I don't do any of that. Yeah, but you know what you do? You control. And what else you do? You judge. Just like I'm judging you for judging me. So don't stand there like you don't need grace. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I'm not the one on the middle. I'm that thief saying, remember me, Jesus. Give me that grace. Give me that good news gospel grace. The promise comes by faith. Faith in what? Not my faith. Because I might fall face down and laugh. But God still said, you got to have the faith of Abraham. What's that? The faith to fall down and get back up. I feel somebody getting up today. Getting up in your spirit. Getting up. You didn't just get up and get in your car. You got up and you walked into the promise of God. You were right smack in the middle of the fulfillment of God's promise on your life. And the danger is you have got to stay in faith so God can do everything he wants to do through you. Abraham turns 83. It's a bad thing when you're having your 85th birthday. Still talking about, you know I got potential. That's supposed to be when you're 18, y'all, not 80. You know, I still got more I'm going to do. I don't think you do. And I love this verse. I love this verse. Did you ever hear me preach this back in the day? I did a whole thing on this. Verse 19. It said that he… Romans 4.19, be more specific, that without weakening in his faith, all the pragmatic people are going to love this. He faced the fact. I always love that because it gives room for the skeptic to get some grace too. I can almost see it when I preach. Some people you say Romans and they jump up and shout about Romans. I love Romans. Give me Romans. Some people, it don't matter how much faith you feel in the room, you can kind of see it. They sit back there like, that's good, but bills. That's good, but bursitis in my knee. That's good, but custody battle. That's good, but I got some pills in the bathroom I haven't flushed yet. He faced the fact. You think God gave you the faith of Abraham to escape reality? He gave you grace to empower you for 
reality. in my spirit. So you can look at the scoreboard. Graham had a game the other night. They were down 20 football game, down 20 at halftime. Came back, won the game by two. I said, that must have been one heck of a halftime speech coach gave. I'm in the motivation business, so I asked him when he got home, I said, what did he say at halftime? He said, he only told us one thing, stay in it. Because you don't know yet. You don't know yet. You don't know yet. You don't know yet. You say, oh, well, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just being me. Which me? The me you see or the me that God spoke from eternity past that is uncorrupted by this mortal body? Which me? God speaks to the me that's going to be if I stay in it. Come on, channel your inner football coach. You know you want to. Pretend like your coach Taylor. Come on, tell Tim Riggins, stay in it. 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 I'm going to preach this till it breaks through that artifice of your heart and heart. Stay in it. Abraham was given a promise when he was 75. How old was Abraham when God made the promise? 75, what I just said. <laughs> Try again. Do this online in the comments. How old was Abraham when God made the promise? How old was he when he saw God keep it? What is my message called? Keep it. Oh, you thought all I was talking about when I said keep it 100 was just be real. No, I'm telling you, what's real to you right now may be a ceiling that God is trying to break you through if you can believe by faith for the grace, for the gaps in your life that cause you to laugh in the face of God when he shows you what's possible. I'm concerned that this phrase in our vernacular, keep it 100, has become an excuse for us to never improve and to never grow. And so if all I do in church is say, hey, you're a drunk, I'm a drunk, let's drink. Everybody gets a 20-ounce communion beer, let's go. Then I have not appropriated the grace of God in your life as a preacher of the gospel to show you that the me that you see right now is not the core of who you are, and God is not through with you yet. Some of the promises that he made you, it's going to take you your whole life to see them. But keep it a hundred. If it takes me all night, if it takes me my thirties, if it takes me my forties, if it takes me going to meetings, if it takes me going to therapy, if it takes me changing my friends, if it takes me staying up late, reading my Bible, praying on the edge of the bed, if it takes it, I'm coming. I'm going to keep it a hundred.
greatness of the Lord. Come on, find 99 people. High five them and tell them, give it a hundred. Give it a hundred. He's looking for you. God's looking for you. Gotta leave the 99 to find the word. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. You got a promise from God. Keep it. Keep it. Snatch this word and keep it. Keep it. You got grace. You got Jesus on the inside. Working on the outside. Keep it. Abraham believed and so became. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen first year. It didn't happen second year. It's not going to happen as quick as you want to. But this is not a five minute faith. That's that Hagar hookup, that five minute faith where you try something. This is the faith. Thank you, Jesus of Abraham. And you already got the grace of God. Stay in it. Stay in it. Stay in it. Stay in it. For the 300 of you who are receiving this message at a deep level, you feel that faith you feel right now in your heart? Stay in it. Stay in it. When you don't feel it, stay in faith. When you can't prove it, stay in faith. When you look at your body like Abraham did, he faced the fact that his body wasn't doing too good. Not as good as he once was. Can't do it like I used to do it. But he was fully persuaded because he had faith in God. What God? You know, you're so good at listing problems. But when I ask you what problems are you fighting, why are you so much better at that than when I say, what God are you believing? Now, Lord told me, when you preach this, make sure that the message they get is not what faith they have, but what God they have. And make sure that your faith isn't in what promise you think he made you, because you might have heard him wrong. I love what he said. Give me 17. I close with this. I know I could preach another two hours, but I know you want to go to Cracker Barrel. Come on, keep it 100. Y'all are ready to leave. I keep it 100. You keep it 100. So give me my last verse. Stand up, saints. I have made you stand up. I have made you a father of many nations. And he is our father. Preach about the faith of Abraham today. Preach about the faith of Abraham. Not Hulk Hogan. Not Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Abraham is the father of many nations. Isn't it crazy 
that it took him a hundred years to actually become what God called him all along? He said, I made you the father. I gave you the seed. Nobody can do it but you. What God called you to bring into the earth, nobody can bring it but you. Yeah. Stop thinking if you screw it up bad enough, God will let you off the hook. You're just going to have to go to summer school. Give me the verse again. I'm not done with it. He is our Father in the sight of God in whom he believed. What God? Somebody say, what God? You know, you say, oh, what problem? What bill? What this? What that? What God? The God who gives life to the dead. What God? The God who calls into being things that were not. So here's what happens. My beloved friend, my beloved brother, my beloved sister, sometimes we are hooked up in a season where God is giving us a download. And do you remember when you used to hook your phone up to the computer and you'd be downloading something, but you didn't have time to wait for the whole thing? So you unplug it early. Guess what? You lost everything that got downloaded before it because you disconnected before the download was done. But God said, I want you to stay in it and believe it till you become it. If God says you're righteous and free, then believe that I'm free until you feel free. Believe until you become. That's what Abraham did. The God who calls things that are not, and so they are. The God who says to a valley of dry bones, get up, come together, and start fighting like an army. The God who says to a sea, turn into a 485. The God who does that has given you his promise. He ain't call you the father of many nations. Come on. I don't even want to have a fourth kid. I'm not trying to be the father of many nations, but I do want to be everything he called me to be. How about you? How about you? I want to be that. I want to be what you want me to be, God. Not what my best friend is. Not what this person I admire on Instagram is. I want to be what God calls me. I want to grow in his grace. I want to grow in the gifts he's given me. I want to bring him glory through my life. That's what I want. That's what I really want. That's what I really want. But you got to keep it 100. You got to be honest about where you are and refuse to stay there. I will go. I shall go. I want to see what the end is going to be. May take me my whole life to find out. I may I may not even live to see it. But I want to keep it a hundred. God made a covenant with Abraham and he said, I'll keep this covenant. If you laugh, if you lie and say that Sarah is your sister and she's really your wife, y'all know about that? Paul didn't keep it a hundred, did he? He didn't put that in Romans 4, but it happened. And yet he became. Nothing can stop you from becoming. Nothing can stop it. Nothing. No power of hell, no scheme of man, no devil, no death, no divorce, no debt. Nothing. 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 Because if it comes by grace, it's guaranteed.
Lift your hands. Receive the download from heaven. Father, right now, we're going to take just a minute, and as we worship you, we are going to refresh our minds with the promises of God. Hey, it's been a little while since I've done one of these little homemade videos after the message, but felt like we needed one today. Um, very, very vocally tired, as you can tell. My hair is all over the place. In fact, keeping it 100, uh, I had to make this video three times because my hair looked so bad in the first two. I'm just keeping it real. But I want to take a minute and pray with you because the message that I spoke today, it needs to end with you coming into agreement with what God has spoken over your life. What God are you believing in? The one who raises the dead to life and calls things that are not into existence? Yeah, that God. He calls you his child. He calls you righteous. He calls you holy. You know, he calls you more than a conqueror. But you have to believe it by faith. And when you believe it by faith, you can receive the grace of God. I want you to put that right now in the chat. Say, I believe it. I receive it. Put it in the chat. I believe it. I receive it. And I want to pray with you right now. Father, thank you for each person who heard this message today. I pray that it would be mixed with their faith and that they would carry it with them, that it would go into good soil and produce a hundredfold return, that they would keep it a hundred, coming to you just as they are, refusing to stay that way as you change us by your spirit. From grace to grace and glory to glory, I believe your promise will come to pass over their life. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. See you next time. Thank you so much for being a part of this worldwide ministry. God bless.